Hello, welcome to the Wasting Time podcast. Um, it is episode 47, uh, and Chris is here. Hello, Chris. Hi, Nick. How are you doing? I'm doing good, mate. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Um, yeah, going through some interesting times at work, going through some redundancies um, with some of my teams, so it's a bit of a, an interesting time. Uh, on that front so just trying to I guess keep myself doing other things outside of work at the moment keep my mind <laughs> occupied how about you yeah I'm good mate I'm good I had my first trip outside of London for the first time in a long time this past weekend which was nice got over to Bristol to see my sister so you know it was it felt yeah. nice to be doing something a well, bit more you didn't go normal. see your sister you went to see your uh, new nephew right that's true that's true, me and nephew Fred. That, I that suppose was the, the main whole, reason. Uh, the whole, your whole family were there, right, though? You'd be mum and dad? Uh, and... Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, pretty much my whole family, yeah. So so that was really nice. Um, yeah, that's been my, my main highlight recently, I think. Cool. Um, you you got, got into anything else outside of work? No, just a bit of cricket. So I'll not bore with, I'll not bore with, you, uh, with you with those details. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I think it's more about our listeners because you know I'm not I'm not a huge sports guy, but like I'd like cricket is up there as a sport that I would take some interest in. But I think most of our listenership is based in America, right. and uh, it's yeah. not it's it's not that high up on their list of um, popular sports. Yeah, cricket isn't. Yeah, to the yeah to the even know what cricket is. Actually, I tell my. Um, my father-in-law, who lives in—not my father-in-law, my brother-in-law's father—he he lives in Maryland, and he played. He said he played cricket at school. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, I think there's small pockets where people play it. Like I remember watching an Anthony Bourdain once when he was in Houston, and because there's like a big Indian population there, mm-hmm. obviously it's like the most popular sport in India. So like there was a big, big uh, section yeah. of the population that play it there. Um, but yeah, generally it's it, it's not. It's, it's not funny. played at all. It's it's funny because um, some of like the IPL and um, that's the Indian Premier League um, and like the World Cup was some of the had the highest viewing yeah, viewer numbers of like all time sporting events. Yeah, I think purely because of the sheer population of your likes of you know your, you know India and parts of Asia you know are just definitely mad, absolutely mad for it. But yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I'll not bore our listeners with cricket talk. Yeah. <laughs> I did do some DIY at the weekend. Maybe our, maybe that's probably more, um, you know, more I don't know. relatable I think, for I th- our audience. Maybe more relatable, but certainly not more interesting. No. Uh, <laughs> well, it's, uh, I mean, I've, I've never been a big DIY guy. Obviously, I sit in front of a computer all day. My, yeah. my dad is very, very hands-on. I've forever tried to, um, like, impress him and... Um, you know, try to make him proud when it comes to DIY and more often than not failed pretty miserably. Right. So so when I do actually manage to do some DIY um of a good you know, of a decent standard, yeah. It's quite a like a personal proud moment. Um <laughs> so yeah, there you go. Go go on, what did you do real quick? I um, I know I, I know you wanna tell us. Well <laughs> I basically put a bolt on a on a gate basically. <laughs> Congratulations! Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, and I painted painted some fencing. Can can you class that as DIY? I yeah, 
if I did that, I would, I would have, I would have said I'd done some DIY. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll give, we'll give you that. Yeah. 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 But yeah, been pretty busy, so haven't really been um, uh, listening to a great deal of music. I did actually. um, I went. I took the dog for a walk tonight, and I went through. uh, uh, It's Gosforth Racecourse, where I live nearby in Newcastle, and they have a lot of kind of. It's a big outdoor area. That's a racecourse, but um, Mm. they have kind of uh, concerts on there, and they are. um, They're currently setting up for this the UK's first ever socially distanced festival. Oh Um, yeah, and they're doing basically. They've got about 20 artists over the space of August that uh, are coming in there. El- our friends Elvana being one. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, but, you know, nice. They've got, you know, they've got like a whole, they've got comedians on, like Jimmy Carr's on. They've got Van Morrison. Got Sam, oh, some big, Sam big Fender. Names. Yeah, Ronan yeah, Keating, wow. which I know, you, you know, you're a big fan of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a bit of a weird one, but yeah, it's, it's basically, there's, there's tons of bookings um, yeah. you know relatively big artists so they're setting that up at the moment and um, looks like they're doing well I'd look at the tickets and you kind of buy um, like sets of two four um, and eight I think so they kind of okay. basically ring, ring they're, well they're doing it now they're putting all the barriers up to ring fence your your essentially your area for two or area for four so um, I'll be interested to see how that plays out yeah for sure I would have, um, yeah, I would have got tickets for for Lucy for for Sam Fender, but um, they sold out in an instant. Being a being a local lad, yeah, of course. Um, was it was he um, South Shields? North Shields. South Shields. Yeah. North, North Shields. Shields. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I maybe, know you're a fan of his. Maybe I'll you know break my um, break my Elvana, Elvana cherry. I'll give Rob yeah. a message. Oh, you, have you never seen them before? No. No. Yeah. No, I feel pretty bad about that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what the guest list situation would be one because I haven't been to one of his gigs already and two because it's one of these socially distanced things so maybe yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. tickets are obviously reduced but it's a bit it's a big space they're setting up at real real you know rig, pretty big area so yeah it's obviously worth their while for these artists um and you know it's I guess affordable as a as an event yeah I'll be interested to see how it pans out yeah. What about what about um has there been any like new music that's come out recently that you've that you've that you've been listening to? Um I checked out the uh Neck Deep album. I don't think we talked about that yet, have we? Yeah, no, I think that was about to come out last yeah. time we recorded an intro, yeah. What did you think of that? Um I I really like it. Um and really? I, maybe it's my age. Because <laughs> they've definitely yeah. gone in a bit more of uh I don't know how to say this. I don't want to say mature direction because that sounds really like, like, yeah. I don't know. Just kind of moved away from the kind of crunching kind of pop punk sound and yeah, um, gone in a bit of a softer, softer direction, I guess. Um, and I, you know, I'm, I, I've, I've really enjoyed it so far. Uh, I did speak to one of. One of the one of the lads at work. I mean, he's in his early twenties. Who's who loves Neck Deep? He's like Neck Neck oh, Deep yeah. lad, and he hates yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he oh, really hates it. <laughs> so that, that's why I say I think it, you know it's an, it might be an age thing. What about what about you? Um, yeah, I, yeah, I listened to that Neck Deep a little bit as well. I yeah, I, I don't love it. I one, I wish he would sing differently. 
I st- it still bothers me, like the Tom DeLonge impressions or whatever. Like, you know, you're Welsh, mate. Come on. Um, and I don't think the songs are good enough to take, you know, to really achieve what they're going for. If you yeah. see what I mean? Okay. I think, I think some, I don't think it's bad. I think it's got a couple of good, decent enough songs on it, but it's, yeah. But it did, I mean, just, it is a big change bit... in direction as well, though. So, you know, just the, maybe the start of something new and, yeah, uh, you know, maybe they, may, maybe they'll develop more into that, that kind of area. But, also, having said that, they just seem to have got by from having average songs all their career. Like, their, oh, their pop punk stuff. I think you're being a bit hard on them. Man. Do you think? Some, I think they've got some great songs. I don't get it wrong. I don't, I don't dislike them. And, you know, when we, when we had their ex-member on recently, I, I loved, like, hearing about their career and stuff. But, yeah, I always feel like they've they just... I think you're saying achieving. that. Achieving... Yeah, that, I think that's an age thing, man. You're just getting old. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I feel like there's other bands their age who uh, who who've impressed me more. I wish I could think of some off the top of my head, but I know I know, I know, I know they're out there definitely. Fair enough. Um, obviously, I've been listening to a bit more of the um, the tap and the Manzel, which everyone should be doing right now. <laughs> um, Is this podcast just becoming a, a self promotion for a record we did 16 years ago? Why not? Why not? Yeah. Um, so. Are, are our listeners up at all? Say again, sorry. Are our listen? Are our I ha- up at all? <laughs> I haven't been do, looking at the figures the to be honest. Okay. I, I do, yeah, if I log into the thing, I probably can. Okay. I'll, I'll have Don't a look. Prepare and I'll next let you time. Yeah. Yeah, I will. Yeah. I will. Oh, mate! One thing I wanted to talk about that I thought would be quite interesting, real briefly, is um, did you see um, Tony Hawk's got a new game and they've released a new yeah, soundtrack? Yeah, yeah. yeah. MX on it, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just wanted to like talk, like talk about who's on that quickly, because you know, if you remember, obviously the old Tony Hawk's game, and like, I, you know, I'm I'm not a huge computer game guy, and like, but I just remember like when you're having a few drinks before you went out in the early 2000s, and like someone would have it on wherever you were, and like it would be fun, like because you know, yeah. it used to have obviously had Goldfinger on, oh, it's, and yeah, Lagwagon, Millencolin, yeah, all that yeah. stuff, you know, and like, it, and it was for a lot of kids, like they would discover bands from that soundtrack so i just think it was quite interesting seeing who was on the new one and yeah looks good i am slightly disappointed because it's not coming out on nintendo switch and i'm i'm not a gamer anymore uh right so i don't have a console um, and i love the tony hawk game obviously i skateboarded as well which, which oh yeah of course so was, yeah you had yeah, yeah pretty, you had that interest pretty, as well yeah i was pretty into me skateboarding in general um but i can't i'm not gonna be able to play the new game um, because they're not releasing it on Switch, which is the only thing I have, and I'm not going out and buying a console just for the sake of that game. Just for the sake of the yeah. game, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, but yeah. It's, it's quite it's an interesting mix. Like you've got things like, as you say, MXPX, but then you've got Machine Gun Kelly, and then nice. Which the Atari? Kelly, which mach- uh, Machine Gun Kelly I, is tracks on it? Well, they're not not released that information yet. So I don't know. The, the list I'm looking at just says the artists, but on MXPX's own um, Instagram, they said. They said they've got let uh, let's ride from their last album on, so I wonder if the actual full soundtrack is there somewhere. The Ataris have managed to get themselves on it somehow, as if we're living yeah. in 1999. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Chris Rowe yeah. keeps himself well acquainted, though, hasn't he? Uh, he well, he does and has. I think, yeah, yeah. Years. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, who was it that we were speaking to that said they had Tony? Oh, it was Darren Darren Fife, wasn't he? He said he had Tony Hawk on his podcast. 
yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Our last, our last episode, our last guest. Yeah, he 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 had him on his show, and obviously because because he's from Goldfinger, so he has the link because they had the huge song from from it. Yeah, Superman. Cool. Um, I have been listening to um, the No Effects Frank, Frank Turner split West Coast. Oh yeah, West yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, it's good fun. Yeah, yeah, it's good fun. Like yeah, I think, like you said earlier in the week, I, I definitely think the No Effects covers are better um, than than Frank's of the No Effects songs. Yeah. Um, Ballad of Me, and my friends, is especially one of my favourites. Yeah, on that record. that's really cool. Um, yeah, I just think it's. I just wish Frank had picked some different No Effects songs, but that's just you know my personal mm. preference of which No Effects songs I like. Hey, they got they got Bob on there at least. That's yeah. a big big one. But yeah, definitely works the other way around. That's for sure. With, yeah, uh, it really does. No Effects stuff. Yeah, yeah. Frankie Frank songs. Um, oh, I tell you what, I have been listening to. Funnily enough, um, is the Go playlist on. you sent me of um, Quiet Drive? Oh yeah, that, that's a nice, nice, nice link. That. <laughs> what did you think? <laughs> and and what are your thoughts on it? I mean, there was definitely a couple. I mean, uh, for those of you who don't know, um, we have got the Quiet Drive singer Kevin on today. <laughs> um, I was a bit guilty of not doing my research and being a bit hazy on the history of Quiet Drive, so Chris kindly made me a, a playlist of his favourite songs. Um, it's like a, a romantic mixtape, really. It was a bit, it. yeah, yeah. yeah. I enjoyed doing that, yeah. Um, but there's, you know, there's definitely songs that that, that I definitely remember, like "Rise in the Ashes," great song. Um, I don't ever remember hearing the covers album. Uh, there was another one on there that 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 really um, that really kind of jogged my memory. Maybe from that that same record maybe misery i think it was yeah it was that one yeah. you sent me a screenshot yeah should we get into that then yeah yeah so so as nick same we had kevin Truckenmiller, who's the who's the front man for quiet drive who as you can probably tell by the fact that i made my friend here a mixtape of their stuff um <laughs> i'm a huge fan of <laughs> i uh as as you'll hear me say in this interview like i think they're massively underrated or uh, and have been throughout their career even though they've you know they they have had a, a, a successful career and like you know like really um hit some milestones and and made some amazing records um so yeah i think let's just let's just roll the interview away yeah like thanks again kevin for for making the time for this um yeah it's you know been 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 keen to speak to you for a while so so excited for this to happen um so it, are you based is it minneapolis you're based in yeah yeah the whole the whole group's from minneapolis we've been based out of here ever since we started i was gonna say you born born and bred out there as well kind of brought up brought up around there I, actually i'm a transplant um i'm from south dakota which is a state you probably never heard of uh but it's next door to minnesota okay and kind of growing up playing a ton of music there but you know just i wanted to get into a a larger city and this is the largest city around this like midwest area besides chicago just because i wanted to find a group of musicians that i could play with and it seemed in in my smaller town it was just like a bunch of hardcore it seemed like and it just wasn't my brand and so kind of moving up to the city minneapolis around the age of 18 kind of changed things considerably for me. 
Did you did you go there with the kind of a bit of a, a blank slate, or did you have kind of other plans as well there? Um, so yeah, you know, when you're when you're growing up, you you don't really know what you want to do, and I think at that period of my life, I was still trying to figure it out, but I knew that music interested me, and it was I had friends up here as well that you know really good friends from from like high school and and stuff like that and i just felt like it was kind of a clean slate at the same time like i know i had no family here to speak of so i couldn't right. like fall back fall back on anything so i kind of had to i guess when you got out of the house for the first time you kind of you know that feels like you just you're kind of jumping yeah kind yeah of, of, course. of course your first experience in the world did you originally join the band like through uh, like an audition? Like the band kind of existed in one form or another before, like you came to them, or did you kind of like were you one of the founding members? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know. Like the Wikipedia says one thing, but right. the stories, the stories. I don't think it's ever been like spoken about in public uh, officially. Yeah, and then you you know you're gonna get my perspective on it because of course I, I'm sure all all the guys will have like a little bit of, a little bit different details. But I think when I first came to Minneapolis, um, I was looking for just you know like the music scene, like where was it? How did it how did it start? And so there was like there was like you know my friends that I knew, and they didn't have like a huge circle outside of that. But then there was like message boards online that they that they had, and. Yeah. Uh, so I went there and I started looking through like different bands and different people looking for musicians. And I did a couple of auditions with other bands just cause I, I didn't really have any music yet that I wanted to, to show the world. I just kind of wanted to join a band and, you know, see what it was all about. And the second audition was for my drummer and he had a band. And so okay. he's like, he's like, yeah, you can, come come out for an audition here and i was like oh cool and we were emailing back and forth and i'm like okay so where is the audition he's like it's at my house and then i'm like okay where is your house like it turns out he's like you know he's like 17 years old i'm like 19 years old yeah and he's and he's got this band with his two buddies and justin who's the guitar player for quiet drive and um you know drew uh, who was bass player he he and Justin and Brandon, they all had this band uh, called, gosh, I can't remember what the name of the band was called. Um, but we didn't, I don't think they had a, I don't think they had an official name. Anyway, I, I tried out for that band. And just right away when I got into the room, there was this, you could tell they, they had, they were good. You know, they're, okay. they're seven, they were yeah, younger yeah. and you, you just, you had like this feeling of just this raw talent. Like they just kind of got it. And they, they practiced a lot. There was a schedule. Like these weren't just, you know, there was one audition that I went for. There was just like older guys in a room drinking. And I was like, you know, I, I, I don't mind drinking. I'm not against it. But yeah. just if we're, if we're going to do something, let's, let's do it seriously and treat it with respect, you know. And so I just, I got a good keen sense of, of talent from, from those guys. And, um, they, you know, they were auditioning me. But mm -hmm. I think at the same time I was auditioning them and right away, I think towards the end of audition, I was like, okay, so when's our first practice? And I, it was kind of like, it was kind of uh, like I just assumed that I was going to be singing in their band 
And they, I think they liked what I was bringing to the table from vocals and just kind of riffing on their music that they had created for me. Uh, and then we, we just started practicing like right after that, they're like, yeah, let's, let's start putting stuff together. And, uh, yeah. And so that, that was, that was going on and we were, you know, we, I think we found the moniker quiet drive. We founded it and then we started, we started playing like, you know, your first few shows. And um, in, in the meantime, I was going to college in uh, an hour away, so it was okay. kind of tough moving between the two worlds. And like, ju- you know, just before you found these guys or whatever, like, what what music were you into? Like, so if someone had said to you before that, if you wanted to start a band, you know, what bands were you listening to? Like, who who are your influences at that that age of sort of eighteen, nineteen? Yeah, I, so I was, you know, we didn't really get that many bands coming through in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, so. I think yeah. the a few the few bands that I did see was you know I was a real big fan of at or, um, of at the drive-in and I was a real big fan of a band called the Get Up Kids, so they they came through South Dakota and and uh, Real Big Fish uh, they came through and so it was it was oh an Alkaline Trio as well so oh, it was nice. like those 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 bands came through and they came through South Dakota there's like fifty people at their show you know it's not, it wasn't like a it wasn't like a massive show but they played in these vfw halls like right next to our to our town and these are small yeah. just halls that aren't meant for live music but they just played their hearts out and you know what we got it and you know we we took i i would say that i i appreciated that sound i mean i i played in the symphony too so i i play a lot of classical music okay and uh, but at the same time like i i really had this this thing i guess you could call it like emo back in those days but it was it was this draw towards those those types of bands, but I also like Real Big Fish, and it, that was like ska. <laughs> yeah. So, and and at the same time, like you know, Nirvana was a huge influence because my brothers and Stone Temple Pilots and um, Incubus was was huge too. So, it was kind of like a mixture of all those was the sound that initially I was going with um, for singing. Like in- Incubus was like one of my. I just really like the way that Brandon's voice carried in mine, but I also like the lyrics and the and the vibe of the Get Up Kids. So it's kind of yeah. like a little bit of that, yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, you mentioned obviously, you know, it kind of it, everything seemed to fit with these guys, and you started playing some local shows and stuff, and you know, essentially founded Quiet Drive. But it's it's funny, like you could probably guess a couple of things I, I want to ask you at this point because it's funny for me because I I've I've been like quite a big fan of of you guys for as far back as I can remember. But like well, you know, so, so, oh of course, man, and um, you know, so I've like looked out for interviews here and there and stuff, and you know, I've seen a couple, but there's just like stuff on the Wikipedia which I want to know if it's true and like because I've never seen you speak about. So one thing that that, that clearly jumps out is the is will i am like hearing some demos like what 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 was the story with that oh okay so yeah so we're starting to like get serious about okay so music. i've jumped sorry i've jumped ahead a bit there but sorry, a little sorry. bit yeah i mean this is the next logical step i guess and yeah. where we're going where we're, where we're going anyway so i was uh we're we're like we're like let's do this seriously what is it going to take and so we went to a couple producers in town or at least studios at the time and we yeah. just talked with them and we're like, what's it, what's it going to take for us to get signed to a major label? And they're like, well, a great demo. And so we're like, how much is that going to cost? And, you know, obviously they were like, 
you know, here's $10,000 a song or whatever, $1,000 a song. I don't really remember mm-hmm. what they said, but it was like absorbent. And yeah. so we, we, we were like, okay, do we want to do this seriously? And everybody was like, yes. And then we're like, okay, we need to raise money. How much can you raise? So everybody pooled some money together and we, we were able to cut a demo with a, a producer who actually did our first record um, along with Butch Walker. I'll get to that in a little bit. But Oh, wow. He, okay. So he, he was like, yeah, you know, he was an up and coming producer in Minnesota and he's like, yeah, I'll record your demo for you. And then we'll have an engineer, a couple engineers or what, what have you. And so we're cutting this demo in the studio and all of a sudden it was like Friday, Saturday night, something like that. And we're, we're listening to some mixes. We were just, we were mixing it. And Will I Am came in from, I think he was, he had a show or something that night and he was in the other room mixing something for sting and like one of our (laughs) my guitar player is like a little bit tipsy and he's like i'm gonna go over there and see if he wants to like check out our our track (laughs) yeah i love it and the the studio owner is like yeah you know i I don't want to like bother them but you, you know you should go out and check it out and so we, I think he went in there and, and uh, Will was like, yeah, yeah, man, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll check it out. It's cool. And he came in and uh, he listened to um, one of the tracks, Irreversible. I think that's what it was called. It was uh, one of the first tracks we had done. And he's like, this, yeah. this shit's dope. Like, uh, I want to come back and see you guys. And so he came to a live show, I think like three weeks later. Um, oh, wow when we we were done with the ep i think we had a release party for the ep and stuff he came to the he came to one of those shows with his uh i think the manager at the time Seth. anyway we hung out afterwards and he's like well you know i think it'd be cool if you guys did a showcase for us um down in california for i think interscope at the time i think he's still on interscope mm-hmm. and and a couple other labels, but, uh, and we were like, you know, kind of starstruck at the same time. It was cool to get his perspective on his work ethic, which was, yeah. you know, work your ass off, do, uh, like do pro tools, do engineering, do it all. Like you, you can't limit yourself mm-hmm. with, um, your, your craft, you know, you're not just a singer. And so just like taking that from him was so helpful at the beginning stages of what we were doing okay. and kind of going through. So, so, so obviously you got that advice. You got that great demo. Uh, I guess how how long was it before that really started to kind of uh, pick up steam? Yeah, so it was it was kind of weird. Um, at the same time I was doing that, I was also cutting another record with one of my friends, Matt Kirby, who is another guitar player at Quiet Drive, and yeah. uh, we. So I was cutting that at the same time, and then so we went out to to do the showcase for Interscope and. I think Matt was just kind of like, well, what, what am I doing here? Like, I thought we were working on a record together. And so we were working with the same producer just because I had known him. And uh, the Interscope showcase didn't like go as well as I would have liked it to go. And, you know, they didn't follow up with the deal based on that. And at the same time, I was like, well, we got this other record. Let's, can't we just like combine these two sounds here? Because quiet drive i don't know if you listened to like that song i don't even know if it's released but it, it was very heavy it was very like oh, right no i didn't know this okay it was very yeah it was very like like heart like incubus like a little bit more oh, right. like okay. science like science and, and and that style and 
with Matt, it was more like the songs that I was writing with Matt were more from a pop sensibility. So think like yeah. Fountains of Wayne and like think of like think of it like like Yellow Card or you know those that style. It was it was yeah. more like pop, like Taking Back Sunday, and so and so. Um, I just, you know, after we got back from the years ago, everybody was, everybody was kind of down, but we were, we were doing really well with shows. Like the, the quiet drive brand was doing really well. I think we were, we were pulling him a lot of kids from town, nothing really like outside of Minneapolis, which we wanted oh, to start. Okay. Doing. So like mainly yeah. just in the local scene still at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. so, but I wanted to expand it. And so I was like, well, we sold a thousand copies of our record by like by word of mouth, me and me and Matt did from this different sound. And so I was like, what if we brought these two sounds together and, and did something special. And at the time we were talking, we're still talking to the Seth from the black eyed peas. He was, he was managing them, but he's like, yeah, that's not really what I'm into. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not into this like poppier sound. I'm, I, I like your guys's, other stuff and so we we're like that's that's fine uh, but we were also talking to another record label um with this guy chris foytel from sony and and he actually liked the idea of us bringing in this other sound and like fusing the two yeah and so we just i think i just went all out on that and the first song i wrote based on that was rise from the ashes oh which is okay. on my first yeah, record yeah. yeah 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 and i was and i was like i was like this is a nice blend between the two and I and I like and I like where this is going, but we had to bring in some of the tracks from Matt and I's uh, record, and so at that point in time, we just put everything together. And the first show we played, we got an uh, we got a, a an offer from Sony Epic, and that's when Amazing. things things just kind of started kind of rolling for us as as a group as one total unit now. Okay. So it was, it was, I mean, there's, and there's a lot of like drama in between that with like everybody coming to grips with, you know, going in a new direction sonically and, you know, continuing to use the quiet drive name. And, and it was, it was kind of a, it, it was definitely a difficult moment for everybody, but it was the, it, I think, I think at this point in time, it was like, it was a good decision. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I guess. And as well as a, as a bunch of young, young lads as well, that's probably, you know, the biggest part of your career at that point right as well it's a bit of a pinch yourself kind of kind of moment it, yeah time, right? i think i think everybody approaches it a little bit differently um some people mm-hmm. are like I, I think like matt was like you know wow i can't believe this is happening right and then from my perspective i was kind of disconnected and i'm like you know i'm glad this is happening but i want to push it even more like i want to i want to keep going further and so at the same time it was kind of like that push and pull between those two between those two emotions, you know, you don't want to take okay. it for granted. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you just, you just want to like make sure that you're doing everything the best that you could possibly do it. Did you did you have a bit of skepticism going into just kind of the the whole major label kind of idea of it, or was, was it just you, just your in your personal kind of ambition to keep driving it forward? Yeah, I don't, I I don't know. Like now, thinking like thinking back on what it takes to do the things that you need to do in order to earn a living um, as a musician. This is, is really hard. It's one mm. of the most difficult professions I think I've seen. So I yeah. think I, I was totally cool with us doing the major label thing because um, I didn't really have any experience 
in any other realm. And there wasn't anybody, um, at least from my perspective, there wasn't anybody like coaching me and saying, well, if you don't want to do major label, you can do this and you can get some success from that because we were just, you know, we were just dudes from Minnesota who didn't really have deep connections in the USA scene where we could just hop on a tour with, right. you know, whatever band, like we were just in the pocket and, you know, like there's not a lot of bands in our scene that were, that were doing things outside of, of Minneapolis. I mean, Motion City was, was, was popping off at the same time, but we, we didn't really know those guys that well. And okay. they, we were on two different trains. I mean, we do now, but right. just in retrospect, like label or non-major label, I just, I didn't know any other way. And, and what, what was amazing about the major label experience was that we could get in contact with all these amazing producers um, that were, were willing to work on our project with us. So we could mm-hmm. go into the studio and work with them and learn from them. So when we, when we started working with, uh, you know, for instance, our local producer, I was already learning a ton from him. Is Matt Kirkwald is his name. And then yeah. we started working with Butch Walker when we started the first record. I learned a ton from him, even though I it mean, was he, only like yeah, two weeks. I mean, I mean, he was always, he would have been a relatively big star by that point already, I suppose. A bit of a legend anyway. Um, yeah, that must have been well, he, I think he had, learned from him. I think he had just got done with Avril, or right. I mean, it was yeah, yeah, he yeah. was kind of he was kind of on the success of that. But uh, yeah, just going to the studio with him was really really eye opening. And you know, you're working with a lot of these these um, these really really decent producers, and you just start to understand that they're just multifaceted. They're not just good at one thing. They they try and excel in all areas. And so yeah. as we were tracking with Butch, like he, he had an engineer that was doing most of the recording and stuff, but like, he's like, Hey, me and Kevin are going to do vocals. So everybody needs to leave the room. And so everybody did. And he just took over and started engineering me and started uh, oh, wow. doing vocal comps and like putting everything together. And so it was, it was cool to see that and, and see that it's all within your, your control. If you just want to learn how to do it and how to engineer it. And so, I think in terms of that and in terms of mixing, when we got to use uh, one of the Lord Algae guys, Chris Lord Algae, I think that's the right guy. Yep. Okay. And yeah, he, yeah. He, he got, he got to admit, which like I'd never heard our record sounding that good before. You know what I mean? Like it's that, that experience in itself is like using the most talent, some of the most talented folks in the world um, was, was worth the experience for sure. So when you, you eventually got, um, when all that's left is you out like what was that experience like and how was that received i mean i because I, I, that you know that was how i first discovered you guys and you know obviously this is like the myspace days and stuff but i think that something really jumped out from that was the fact was just like your vocals i think just kind of like stood out from all the other sort of emo and pop punk bands at that time um just something about your tone that that that's you know that's one of the reasons i've always always been into what you guys what you guys do but like did was it received like quite favorably when when epic kind of launched you with this debut full length yeah i think it was i mean it's hard it's hard to really truly know um because when we started when all that's left is you we started with rise from the ashes being the first single and that was something that everybody in the band was totally on board with because it did showcase that new sound that we were putting together. 
and because of the fact that it was such a powerful and a unique song, you know, it wasn't just a lover's lament type of thing. Right. It was, it was focused around this, this strive to never give up and to, you know, ultimately rise from the depths of, of who you are. And that's, so, so we started going to a couple of radio stations and they loved it and, and we loved it. And they, and we had some, really good response from the community and our shows whenever um, that was played. So in Denver, we had some, that's when we first started it. But right when this was happening, our, oh God, what happened? So this president at Epic, there was this president shift and Charlie Walk took over. And I don't know if you know a lot about Charlie Walk, but yeah, he's this guy that, um, was was going to take over as president. He worked with the Ataris on their cover song that blew up, and so yeah. he's like, "Well, you know, you know, I." He's like, "I did a really good job with making sure that this song popped for the Ataris, and we want to do the same thing with Time After Time, and we don't really want to push Rise from the ashes, and right. uh, you know, you guys can either take it or leave it." Is eventually like what he was saying to us, and so we're like, "Okay, well." You know, I'd rather you be behind something than not be behind something. And, you know, we're okay with you shifting it. And so we had to, you know, recut a video and do a bunch of other things to, to push that different single. But ultimately, you know, I think the rest of the band was like, we should have stuck with Rise. That's more of us. That's more of who we are. Mm-hmm. And it kind of shifted things for us. And I, and I think we, as a band, we felt like that song shifted the perception of who we were like you know a cover band or or a cover band song or something like that and in my mind i never i mean i i kind of looked at it that way i could see where people would think uh, think that way but i i was like no this just gives us the reserves that we need to cut more records like now Mm -hmm. we can we can we've solidified our ability to cut more and more records and to do it ourselves and you know that's kind of that's kind of what i don't know if that was aimed perfectly at your question but i think that's where i wanted to take it i mean with that change of attitude is that kind of where the epic kind of thing kind of start to kind of be at the back of your mind and you thought you know you were yeah. thinking about moving on i think so i think it was at that period of time it was like okay well if you're going to treat us like this where we're business partners and and you are ultimately like making a decision on our craft that we don't want to make and we've told you that we didn't want to make it, um, then, you know, that's fine. It's your investments and we'd love to help you, you know, get that investment back at the same time. I was like, but we're done. Like in the back of my mind, I'm like, how do I get out of this deal? How do I, how do I get out of this relationship? Because ultimately like we have to decide where we're going to grow and what singles we want to promote and ultimately what the game plan is going to be for, the perception of our bands and if I, I understand that they want to make and make their money back at the same time like we have to be true to who we are and you know if we want to make cover songs like that's totally up to us and if we want to promote them that's totally up to us as well but yeah so so, so was that split quite kind of straightforward then or i mean did it did it you know did they cause you any difficulties kind of breaking that um breaking that relationship you know i didn't I think it's I could I could give you the two perceptions of reality there on our on our perception of reality we waited until there was a clause in our contract that was like yeah you guys can leave if you give us like 
two weeks notice um, and we don't reply that we're going to take on the next option. And uh, so we, I think our manager waited for Christmas break at the label and just kind of dropped that notice. And then by the time they came back over Christmas break, we had already sunset it over that period of time. So we were able to make a clean break from the label and yeah. Did, did you get put on some, some uh, decent tours around that time? Like, what, what, are there any that kind of stick in the memory that, that, were, that were pretty cool? Yeah, so I think there were a couple, uh, a couple cool, cool moments that we had. We were pretty good friends with the Boys Like Girls cats. And, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, this is like before their record really started moving units. We we're out on the road with them and you know, it was, it was cool hanging out with those guys. Cause we really, really thought that they had something special with their record. It was, you know, when you're chewing with everybody, you, you learn to love their records. Um, but with theirs, it was like, I just kind of liked it right away. And yeah, you know, you can't, I couldn't really do anything about it. I just, I liked it. Um, and, and, you know, that was, that was a memorable tour just from, from being in, being friends and hanging out and, watching them blow up. And then uh, another one was we were out with Paramore before, I think it was right when their new record dropped or their, their most popular first record. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. That one is, that was kind of a memorable moment for us as well. And uh, those are the two that, that, that pop out in my brain. Um, it's, it's really like tours. I just kind of, I look at, I look back at it, that, that moment and it's just kind of a blur. Like it, yeah, we were, it was so, it was, the travel was so heavy and it was so much. And there were so many radio stations, early morning radio stations, late night gigs. And uh, yeah, it's, it's really hard to remember all that stuff. Well, I mean, what was like the first time in the UK and kind of Europe? Like, was that a little bit of, I, I guess, a bit of a break from the bigger stuff? Did you come over here and uh, yeah, do some of the smaller shows or were you straight in? Also, Kevin, correct me if I'm wrong. Have you only been to the UK one time, or have you been? More yeah, than... I think we've only been to the UK once. If yeah. I, if my memory serves me correctly, um, the UK was pretty cool. I mean, we had a we had a promoter that was it was his first time promoting shows, so it was a little rough from that perspective. Okay. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and then I got strep uh, halfway through the tour, so that kind of was that was bad. Oh, I sure. was kind of stuck in a hotel room for a few days. Oh, and we had yeah. to miss one or two shows, but when you know when we did play London, we played uh, you know a couple of the cities. We, we had a we had a great response, and I I lived in I lived in um, Kensington for a little bit. Oh, really? When I was yeah, when I was nineteen, I was uh, studying over at, next to Imperial, and uh, it was a, it was you know I I just I do love being over in England. Um, my friend lived on on Brighton Beach, so I could go down there every once in a while. And nice, nice. And, That's where I'm from visit. originally. Oh, right on. Yeah, yeah. And and, and so I I just like the I like the pub culture, and I, I learned to love football, and that was oh wow a good experience. But I I do have a special like kinship with everybody from England. I mean, is there any reason why you kind of didn't didn't get over here more with with Quiet Drive? Just just too much. I think it. No, I just think it comes down to the, like the promoter. I yeah. think by the time that 
we we're really good friends with the guys in uh, Patent Pending. I don't know if you've heard of Patent oh, Pending. Yeah, at all. yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. Quite a lot, don't they? yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, know. And, I know you've done some production for them. Yeah, and then Bowling for Soup. Uh, yes, really good friends with those guys too. Um, so I think at some point in time there was like, uh, hey, you guys need to come over with them. But it, it like in my life, I don't think it was working out. Um, so my, I was having some kids. I had, I had yeah. a couple of kids. And I didn't have them personally. My wife did. But they, <laughs> they, they came into my life and it was one of the most important things for me was to, to support them and my family. And so I just I, I kind of had this like pass. But um, yeah, I would have loved to if the timing would have been would have been perfect yeah i get that so so when when did that when did your kind of first first child uh when, when, when were they born uh so my son's eight and um, daughter's six so that was like 2012 and it, that yeah. was it's really tough uh having kids and having to go on the road i think yeah that's it started to become really tough around 2012 because um i my wife went into labor and then I was supposed to start a tour in two days. And it was right. just yeah. like having, having to leave her at the hospital and then my son's in the NICU. It was, it just kind of, it tears at you oh, and man, you know, but, but you have to go and you have to, you know, do the things that you're contractually obligated to do with your mates. And so there's, a, there's a lot of, a lot I suppose of that. financially as well to, you know, to support your almost new family, right? It's how you want to, you know, make sure you Ticking those boxes yeah. as well, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. But you know, it's it, it started it started to become something for me where I I felt like production and mixing and you know recording was could could help bridge that gap a little bit with yeah with finances and with just being home and around the family. So, so did you dive straight into that after kind of that last tour, or was that something that just kind of a, organically kind of progressed and grown over over you know, I think, yeah i think it just kind of i think it just kind of organically did um you know how you have these tours and you'll have this the production that you got to do and then you have tours and you just kind of like back and forth a little bit and then you just kind of side on well i have two things which one should i pick and yeah. you know you can you can pick pick either one um uh, but you know we i think japan was still doing well for us as well and so we toured over there quite a bit regardless and I think we did like seven tours over there. Um, and we kept on releasing our own records. And I had a really good friend that I met who at the time we started recording, I think this is this is one of our first, e- well, one of our EPs uh, called Close Your Eyes. And yep. uh, it's a uh, great EP, by the way. Thank you. I, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so the, the second record that we had deliverance i i had produced that one and oh really after the yeah that was that was my first i think that was my first like production experience i was like okay major label we're off the major label i'm gonna do like a weezer thing where i'm just gonna do my own record and produce it and record it and you know i i thought i could just do it all i think i was a little bit arrogant about it and uh it didn't you know it turned out great i love the songs but you know I, on this EP, I was like, well, what if, you know, what if I took a backseat this time again and, and have somebody else come and work on these tracks with me? Right. Okay. And I found this, this, this young kid in Minneapolis who had worked with um, All Time Low and he had worked on some uh, – he worked on some stuff with Matt Squire who was a producer that did the first yeah, Panic right. record. 
and he he went out and worked with Matt Squire, and he's like, yeah, I didn't really, you know, I wanted to move home and do my own thing. I didn't really want to work with Matt Squire anymore. And this kid, this kid was like so young. He was like 19 years old or something like that, 20 years old. And so I'm like, how about you and I work together on this EP? And he's like, sure. I just, you know, I just made a studio, and I'd love to have you in. And we so we started working on a record together. That was our first experience working together. And uh, oh, it was just, it was like two two like minds going in and and just working on a piece of music together that we got to put all of our attention into. And so I was really happy that I found him. Okay. And so we just worked on the next couple records together. And we got into this groove of where we he would kind of do one thing and then I would kind of, do, we specialized. And so I would work on just all the vocals and and songwriting and, and he would help me out with the production side of things. Okay, so he, he was on the self-titled in the, 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 the 2012 record with you as well, was he? Yeah, so he he worked on Close Your Eyes. That was his first one. And then the second one was a self-titled. And I brought in one of his friends to help me co-write some of these tracks. And so that was really fun. And then um, on on the next record after that, it was our cover record where we were like, how about we just do, like we had our fans just vote with a dollar. So we did kind of like a Kickstarter thing where I made a a website. And then everybody could go and like vote for a dollar on whatever song they wanted us to do. And then what, you know, the top 10 songs we got to put on a record and we would record them. And so, you know, <laughs> you had to do, you know, maybe a song that you didn't really want to record, but you had to do it anyway. And then, um, that record was super fun. So I worked on that as well with him. What, what are some of your favorite covers looking back on that record? So gosh, um, so like my wife really liked this song by Bruce Hornsby uh, called Mandolin Rain. Mm-hmm. And I really, I just, this guitar solo thing that we did, me and me and Justin, our guitar player, this guitar solo, it, it was just the coolest thing, coolest riff, I think. Pulling that out of that song and turning it into a guitar solo was one of my favorite bits on that record. And uh, the other the other thing that turned out really well was um africa which yeah i didn't think it was going to turn out that well yeah but for some reason that song just kind of took on a life of its own and much credit to my producer jordan schmidt who 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 definitely like took it to the next level i had the demo and the demo was just okay but then he just brought it to this whole nother level and it kind of took off for us I love how you managed to do it. So you've got that, the Serengeti lyric and like the way you say it, you time it with the melody better than the original, if you know what I mean. Cause the original always <laughs> sounds like, you know what I mean? Like they're forcing that word in like really quickly, but like, uh, I don't yeah. know if like, I'd, I'd have to listen to them both uh, next to each other. I don't know if it's cause you drop a lot, like one of the words before, but, but like, yeah, yeah, that, that always stood out to me. I had to take a couple liberties just because um, when you're crafting their covers and they're trying to fit it into a new yeah. template, some things just, you know, as far as like the way that it, that it, the lyrics hit, it has to still make sense, but you can kind of phonetically play with things so that they fit nice, nicely in your tempo because we had to, we had to kind of change it a couple things with that one to make it, make it solid. But yeah, that was, that was a weird one lyrically 
you know when you're like when you're tracking it you got to go back and listen to like what they're actually saying you're like really right. is this what you thought of when you're writing these lyrics like you just <laughs> you just slammed the serengeti and like all these lyrics into this verse i'm like okay <laughs> that's that's what it is that's what we're doing yeah. super funny yeah it's it's funny actually um I, i'll just take this opportunity to say this so like uh what one of my best buddies um i i I played that cover to him, you know, a couple of years after it came out. And like, so since then he's been quite into your music. So I, I texted him just before we got on the phone with you and just like, Oh, I'm doing the quiet drive thing. And he was just like, Oh, so say these things. So I'm just going to quickly get those in. Cause I'll forget otherwise. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> One, he wanted to say, um, a kind of a joke question, but like, um, at what age did you realize you had the voice of an angel? So he clearly, clearly admires your oh, voice. As well. way too, it's th- way too nice yeah <laughs> um he wanted he also wanted me to embarrass myself and say that jessica has been my ringtone for about six years and, <laughs> <laughs> but the, but the only uh serious point he wanted to make was um your that song you guys did even when you're even when i'm gone because uh, like you i think that came out sort of late 2013 and that's when, oh, when his yeah. own, and his own mother was like um she was you know term, terminally ill from cancer at the time and and he was just like genuinely that song was a big help to him so i think he really wanted me to pass oh that message God. on yeah let me just talk about that for a second um, yeah man definitely okay so that was a single and i was i was on tour and there was uh, uh one of one of the one of the fans came up to me and was, he was he was a gentleman who was a dad and he had two two kids and his daughter had just passed away and he was just you know talking to me for a little bit and and then he i think he i don't know if he approached the subject right away but he did follow up with me and was like yeah i want you to cut a track for my daughter um and you know i i I i'll do whatever it takes right and so i was like okay and so i put it in the back of my mind Mm -hmm. and eventually the melody started coming to me about uh, what i wanted to do with it and, you know, sometimes people will come up and, you know, say, hey, I want you to, like, work on a track for me. And I'll, and I'll just kind of play with the idea. And I'll be like, yeah, it doesn't really, it doesn't, it's not for me or it doesn't, it's not going to work out. But this song, one day in the studio, just, it all came to me. And mm-hmm. using that melody, we were able to, I was able to construct the entire song from start to finish. And yeah. I put together the demo. And, you know, was, of course, in my just crappy studio, I just wanted to get something out. And I sent it to him and he's like, oh my God, this is unbelievable. Like, can you retract? And I was like, he's like, what do you want to do? And I'm well, I want to talk to Jordan. I want to get it, you know, tracked and I want to make it sound the way it needs to sound. You know, I don't want to just release the, a demo, of course. And so he's like, okay. So I flew down to Nashville, which Jordan moved to Nashville, I think around, uh, I'm not sure when, but he had moved to Nashville because he wanted to do more like country stuff. And okay. so I went to a studio there and I was like, Hey, we got to track this. He started taking it in like a more of like a, I don't know, like a more electronic direction. And, uh, I was like, okay, you know, I, I, I trust you. I, I'm, I can do that. Let's, let's try it. And so he, we sent that off to, to John and John was like, yeah, I like your demo better. So, and you know, this whole time I'm like, I mean, I do too, but I, I, I do want to make sure that, we give it a good shot from what Jordan and I worked on together. And so I was like, Jordan, how about this? How about I'll just go back and cut the track and then you just mix it for me. And he's like, okay, let's just do that. And so okay. 
we did that. I went back, cut the track, I sent it to him, and he mixed it, and we got it back. And and I listened to it, and I got goosebumps. And I, I listened to it again, and I got goosebumps again. And I was like, this song is like speaking to me from another dimension. It like it's <laughs> yeah, it's almost yeah, yeah. like we we ripped open a portal in space and time, and we're communicating and. I yeah, that's the way I still feel about that song to this day. Yeah. So yeah, thanks no, for mentioning I, that. Yeah, no, of course I get it. Like when that last chorus drops in and the backing vocals come in, man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. it's huge. I love it. Cool. So I, I guess your your you know your production stuff um, kind of start to, start to take off a little bit. You see, you know, your family, um, you know, start to grow more. Um, yeah. where, where was the rest of the band at like when you kind of wanted to kind of simmer down on the touring were they kind of starting to develop and do their own things or or were they kind of still like oh we still, we still want to be driving this forward I mean what, yeah yeah, yeah no, that's a great question so like the, the play like player wise like I was always writing uh, majority of the music and I think after the first record you know when we made the split with the label it was kind of like a wait and see for everybody and after we did that first record and I produced it and you know it was it it was on the militia group I think at the time but like I think the general vibe of the players is like you know if I'm having kids if I can't make a living like I can't keep doing this and so Drew and Kirby were like well I don't know if this is going to be something that can sustain me and my family so yeah they had to you know and I was like I was like that's cool I mean we'll still try and have you involved somehow but um you know unfortunately when we go on the road we got to we got to continue to, to drive this thing. And, and it was totally amicable and everything. They just, they just had to do things. And so that was when we started like auditioning different folks. And that's, that's when we met uh, Bryce and Will. And, you know, to this day, me and Will still write a ton of stuff together, but he, he and I, we really started to, to develop more of like a writer's, relationship with each other and okay. so i think after the self-titled record he got involved in the writing of of more of the of the music which is great because you know when you're when you're writing everything you, you want people to challenge you and make things better and and in order you know like say yeah this lyrics not hitting me the right way you know make it better and so ultimately mm-hmm. it helped our music to get to another plane and you know Bryce and, and Will kept playing with us for, for a long time. And that was pretty much the core group, me, Brandon, Justin, Bryce, and Will. And then, um, you know, at some point, I think it was, oh, gosh, what record was this? It was, it was before the ghost. Um, but mm-hmm. Justin had, was having trouble with the road and he, he had to, to, kind of like separate from the group for a, a while he plays with this like now and again uh when we play shows but um you know he's just having trouble with it just as much as like i was having trouble with it sure. but um but so yeah it, it was just kind of like that's that's the notables from like the progression and then when we got to the the ghost of uh, who used to be i i was like well i want to do this record um i want to I want to write it and Will and I will write it, but I'll write with other people too, but I want to produce it. I want to kind of executive produce it. So I don't have to do everything, but I want to, you know, I want to try different mixers on stuff. I really want to like, cause at this, at this point in time we had all of our catalog except for 
when all that's left is you. We we had owned all those masters. Okay. And so we were able to say like, okay, well, we, we're financially in a place where we can kind of make these records now and we don't really need a label of, of any sort and we can push them ourselves. And so it was really cool to just spend a ton of time on these songs, get multiple mixers on them and really push the envelope of our sound. And that, that was the, the last record that I did with quiet drive. And I, really really loved it and I, I loved how it turned out and i think the fans did too because i think the most streamed song that we have on spotify right now is from that record oh, which, uh, which which song is that uh forget the lies is oh what yeah that one's okay. called. is yeah. what's your favorite song on that record i don't know they all have a special meaning to them but uh there's parts, so I'm gonna go into my favorite parts of the songs. Just cause <laughs> okay. that's the, yeah, yeah. That's the way I think about songs. I'm like, well, I know in totality, I'm sure you could say that, that song is, comparatively speaking, not as good as this one. But yeah. the parts that I really, really love are the, um, on my own. That's one of the tracks mm-hmm. on that record. Yeah, uh, the last chorus, it. last chorus to the end. It's just like, that mixer just knocked it out of the park, and then. Uh, same thing with Forget the Lies, just like okay. the, okay. the mixer that we chose for that, those two songs, Mark McCluskey, he just, he just knocked it out of the park. It was just so fun to listen to. And yeah. so those are probably two of my favorites. And you know, what's weird about that is that those songs, they really, we didn't really record them full band. Those songs came from like, uh, just writing them from the ground up electronic, you know, just, okay. so it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a new take on what we were doing, but I, I don't know. Music should come from anywhere. It doesn't have to come from a specific template, even though with certain bands, like let's say Rage Against the Machine, for instance, how could you think about it any other way? Right. But for right. us, it was, it was wherever it comes from, we're, whatever the best songs are, we're going to use them. I feel like I had two different versions of that record. Cause I remember, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but like, so when, when, it came out i think in like japan the summer of 2014 like i just found like mm. an illegal download of it because that was the only version i could get and then oh, when yeah. it was released and then when it was released like worldwide at the end of the year like there was the track listing was different and there were some extra songs that were there and some songs that weren't i feel like there was like yeah. a recording of every um every day i think or something on the first one i heard but but it was yeah, nice to hear yeah, different but, versions yeah i think that's well i think they had they were on a different timetable um the, the label in Japan, they wanted uh, by X certain date because we had licensed it to them. And that's right. when they wanted to release. And we we had a good partnership. And so I wanted to honor that. And uh, I, I think at that time, I'm, I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, well, we're not going to release it until I'm damn well happy with it. And, and so we, I think we allowed the Japan release to go out earlier. And then mm-hmm. we've had we got we were able to finish all the songs that we wanted on on the kind of the, the worldwide release, I guess you could say, a little bit later. Got it. Okay, Kevin. I noticed we've we've already almost been speaking for an hour, so I don't want to keep too much of your time. But um, Nick, unless there's you know anything, I guess that, just that we've left out from you. But like I've I've got just a couple more things. But Nick, I'll let you. Yeah, let I was just maybe into. maybe di- dipping into kind of your. Um, I guess your your production work and is there any any um, projects that you know have stood out for you or any particular artists that you've worked with that are really kind of 
um, kind of impressed you in that in that environment? Um, yeah, I'm working with uh, one of my friends, Michael Shines, in from Minneapolis, who's just got some really really cool tracks that are coming out very shortly, and I'm just so proud of him and the work that he's put in and and just a musician that that truly loves and dedicates his life to his craft so excited for that look out for his stuff and um the the one piece of production that just like was ultimately one of my favorites that i've ever done was i worked with this band called kagami tanari and uh They like they they came into Minneapolis and we did a record together and you know I I don't know Japanese but I produced this record and right. it was so fun and the music was so awesome and uh, I still listen to it to this day and it's just one of those records I just I just love so I guess those are two things that you know I wanted to mention cool okay so what so what okay. do, what what does a kind of average average week month kind of look look like for you these days then. In terms of kind of splitting your time and your production and kids, family, and I guess everything else. Yeah, yeah, it's really, really tough. Um, I, you know, I try not to do too much production. Um, if I do any production, it, it kind of consumes my whole life. And, you know, I, you go I, into I, a zone. I, yeah, I just put a, I put everything into it, and I can't really put anything into anyone anything else. When it comes to the, for like writing, and it comes down to mixing. Um, ultimately I'll just do a bit of, of either as, as it comes, as people want stuff worked on and then, and then I'll do co-writing as well. But for the most part, I'm, you know, I, I, I just like mixing. I don't know what it is. It's just like, you get to, it's like, you get to, you get to see the final product. Like you get to make it the the thing that it's going to be like everything else is preamble to the mixing. And then once the mixing hits, it's like that epoxy layer that you put on the wood that makes it you know, looks so beautiful. What, what, what is your full-time job these days? Yeah. So I do a ton, a ton of web development during the day and just, just kind of like a master of the, of the cloud, uh, AWS, just help people put stuff there. Just kind of free freelance and that kind of stuff. Is it? Yeah. I used to do a ton of freelance. Um, you know, Working on the band's website, I worked with my friend Bob Lenz, and he did a he did most of our web stuff. But I was like, oh, eventually I got to take this over for you. So I just started getting into that, and and I started taking over more of the duties of development. And it got harder and harder the the deeper I delved. And then I got kind of like fed up with uh, dealing with royalty streams every month. They, we'd have these like random royalty things that would come in and I have to like divvy everything up on Microsoft Excel. And right. so so eventually I was like, okay, well, I know how to do some web stuff. Why don't, why don't I just turn this into some software that can, can manage it for you? And so I use TuneCore to do a lot of our, our aggregation and our digital distribution. And I don't know if a lot of musicians use that or if they use DistroKid, but TuneCore didn't have a really good way at that period of time to like help you deal with these monetization streams that were coming in for your music. And so I spent a ton of time making some software called Indie Tools. And that software helps me deal with all these TuneCore streams. And all I do is just pl- plug in the, the CSV files that TuneCore gives me. And so I worked a ton of time on making that software so that, you know, 
artists don't have to kind of deal with the tough problems of how much do I owe the band members and how much do I owe the writers? So I do a little bit of that too. Um, sorry, I, I just want to ask quickly, um, you, you guys came back and played that local festival last summer, which if, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that was your first show as Quiet Drive for quite some time. Um, oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I just want to ask, like, firstly, what that was like and and then follow that up with, is there going to be any more Quiet Drive activity? You know, once, if the world you know, kind of gets back to no- any kind of normality in terms down. of... Yeah, exactly. If we're going to get any more shows or any more like uh, actual new music. Yeah. Well, I can just I can just tell you the way I feel about it, and then you can derive your your uh, opinion on what's going to happen next. So <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> I I uh, like I have a really tough time not you know you know I, not putting everything into what I'm doing, and so when we were putting that show together. Um, you know, everybody's got lives, everybody's doing things. And when we're practicing and getting something ready, it's like, Oh, you know, I have to, I'm going to be late for practice or I'm not going to be there. I'm not going to show up or whatever. And it's like, I have a day job. I have, I have to do this other stuff. And, and like, that's, I get that. And I understand that, that we have families and everything. That's a reality. But when I do something, I kind of want to do it and do it really, really well and not, okay, and not split my time up between different things. And so I, I, that show, in a sense, it was it was really fun to play, but it, it kind of frustrated me because I couldn't dedicate everything, and you know, not everybody could dedicate everything, and maybe you don't need to dedicate everything to 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 play a show, but in order to tour and to make the next record and to do things right, I I want to find like a complete chunk of time in order to prepare the next piece of music that we present. And then also to, to prep for, you know, delivering that in like a tour or a live show medium. And, uh, you know, I just haven't, I just haven't put it together yet. I'm working on, I'm working on some songs right now. Uh, We're working on things here and there, but uh, for the most part, I I just need that calling to happen before that that's going to make, make its way to your ears. And until then, I mean, just, I'm just going to be doing mixing and just helping friends with projects here and there and, yeah, focusing on the family, making sure that they're happy. I guess I mean, how's how's things where you are in the world at the moment? Obviously, obviously, we see what's going on in America at the moment. We're not, you know, going things aren't going in the right direction. But what's it more like locally where you are at the moment? How's things going? Um, yes, yeah, really good question. I sometimes get lost within my own emotions on the subject. To be honest, I, I don't know how to feel about it from one day to the other. Some days I'm like feel trapped other days i feel like i'm gonna go out and just hang out with my friends and you know nobody's gonna stop me and uh so i think it's just like somewhere i'm somewhere in between there and uh i just want i think i speak for everybody i just want things to get back to normal again Mm. at some point in time i suppose you're 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 fortunate in terms of what you do that you can kind of keep going a little bit from a from a working perspective right um yeah, I'm really, really lucky. And not everybody is so lucky. And I kind of, I think about that, you know, like My Chemical Romance supposed to go on a big tour. Like what happened? And Emotion City, like they were supposed to go out and they couldn't go out. Like what, like what happens to your family and your financial outlays when you, when that sort of hits? Mm-hmm. And it's got to be, 
devastating and nobody really knows when it's going to all kind of piece itself back together. But I think when it does, there's going to be an incredible amount of energy that comes from music and, and, and touring and live performance and everything. I mean, we've talked about that with some of our other guests in, in the sense that obviously I think things like live shows will be kind of one of the last things to come back because because it essentially is a a mass gathering but when that time does happen I th- you know I think there'll just be this this um, you know real energy and massive appetite for it when 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 the time comes because you know people have been without it for, for, for so long you know I know it's just gotta be and I don't know I'm seeing it in a bunch of different areas like restaurants for instance they are going yeah. away like they're dropping like flies yeah. and uh you know i don't think that can happen with bands and or or music in general because they'll just crop up again uh, when they're ready to go when the world opens up and i know that my friend that works at live nation they're just waiting for things to open up again they're going to be right back yeah. where they were so well, one can only hope for the yeah, best. Yeah, we might, we, yeah. we might be able to add Quiet Drive to that list at some point in the near future. Then, yeah, maybe. That's, that's, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, it is actually pretty cool seeing like my kids grow up and uh, kind of like seeing what I do and who I am, and then looking at the music and saying, like, every once in a while they'll just act weird towards me. Like, like okay. you're in the you're in this band called Quiet Drive. Like you're like a famous musician, and I'm like, that's not true. Like, <laughs> I'm not famous. Uh, I'm a musician. Um, I would call myself a middle class musician. And, <laughs> <laughs> and like, and then my son, you know, as he's getting older, and he's he's starting to perceive it, and he's going to be able to start contributing, um, and just watching him play the piano. And just starting yeah. to make mu- you know, make music with him and and help him write songs. Like these, these are the moments in my life where I'm like, now it's going to be cool. Now he can participate in the shows, and now when I go out on tour, he's going to understand it, and he's going to, you know, it'll be easier. It'll be an easier sell for the family, you know, like bringing him out yeah. and <laughs> bringing my daughter yeah. out, and then like you know, when he gets a band, like making sure that that art project is successful. And when he gets a band, not if yeah. you, you're, you're almost forcing him. <laughs> well, this kid is like, he's going to do it. I mean, yeah. it's the same with my daughter she's got a <laughs> nice voice on her, but you know, you just, you just one, one emotion that I have about it is, is that I'm, I'm I kind of feel like I'm in stone now. I feel like my personality, who I am, it's written. And now I've become a ghost. And now the the people that are alive are these two kids and they have this unique opportunity to just formulate whatever they want. And it's, it's kind of a, an emotional, but also fulfilling experience to be part of. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. It's, it's funny. Um, I was just going to, just gonna say before like my fiance literally was just saying to me she's just like i mean assuming we are able to get married in december which is a whole other thing with what's going on (laughs) um but she was just like like so this is someone who knew nothing about uh this kind of music like pop punk or whatever you want to call it or whatever you know so obviously i've tried to inflict some of it on her since we've been together but like just before i came on the school she was like do you think we could have just my heart as well as like jessica and mary jane on our playlist and stuff (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which 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 is which is super funny to me and it and it's cool but i don't, it, it always like speaks to something else in terms of quiet drive in that you know it sounds like you know life's worked out well for you and like 
you, you obviously you were successful, but then you stepped back when, when, you know, when you needed to. But I, I find yeah. it a bit frustrating in that I feel like you guys have so many songs that could just be, you know, just could be hits, if you know what I mean. And like, and I see other bands from this world get really big and I'm just like, a quiet drive should be bigger than them. But I don't know how, yeah. I, I, don't know, I don't know how you feel about that kind of stuff. If you ever look back and just think, yeah, like we had better songs than you guys, but you know. <laughs> Who are you? Who yeah, are you referring to, Chris? I don't, like some, like for, ex, for example, I'm not saying like all time low sound uh, like the same sound as Quiet Drive, but I suppose it's like from the same kind of world. And I quite like I like all time low, but to me, someone like Quiet Drive should be bigger than all time low, like just on the just based on the songs. But that, that maybe that's just my opinion. Yeah, I, I think I've talked to Alex about that, and he's been like, yeah, really. you're probably right. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Like, I, Alex, like I know him, we, we played a, a few shows together and right. hung out a couple times. Um, but, you know, when I think when I think about what they're doing, like, I, God, I, I, there's some songs of theirs I really, really love. And ultimately, mm-hmm. it, is just, it is just art, and, it's, and uh, you could take it and you could say oh, – we want what you're what you're meaning is that more commercially successful and you you know you deriving yeah. a larger fan base because yeah. of that yeah. commercial success and then ultimately what does that do well more people get exposed to it but um you know and then ultimately financially more stable for me maybe but um in my mind you know i i've always thought that no matter what as long as i maintain some semblance of of normalcy then i'm I'm okay. I remember when we were really touring off first record and some things got to my head and I turned into right. a different person for a little bit of time and I just didn't like that person and what that person was doing with my life. And so uh, in one sense, I feel, uh, I feel lucky that you say that because I would prefer that the, the music were better than, than any sort of uh, what success did to me. I think it can be very difficult to deal with that amount of success, and it's, and so I feel really lucky. At the same time, like you know, I am a hundred percent fulfilled with my life. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I wouldn't mm-hmm. change a single thing. I, I get mm-hmm. to, like, I'm sitting in my studio right now talking to you with my drum set that mm-hmm. I can play pretty much one hour a day. My bass guitar, my electric, my violin, and I got everything I need and. And I can do whatever I want. So what, what really could have gone better? And so sure. I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it other than I'm very appreciative that you would say something like that. And <laughs> it's very sad for Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he'll get over it. Yeah. Cool. Well, that, I guess that feels like quite a nice place to, to wrap up, I guess, really. Um, so, yeah, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there is a million other things I could ask you, but I do not want to keep you all afternoon. This, is, this has been really cool, man. Like, yeah, thank, thanks so much for giving us, giving us your time, Kevin. Yeah, you know what? I took a listen to your show, and I like what you guys are doing. Um, I like how the story, you, you let the artist kind of tell the story <laughs> in, their, in oh, the right thanks, way. Man. So, you know, keep that format up, because it's, really, uh, it's really interesting for the listener. And it's what it's what a podcast should do. It should it should bring you along the unabridged yeah. view of their of their experience. Well, that's that's nice. That's really nice of you exactly. to say. And I think uh, I think we just enjoy the nostalgia of it all as much as the, you know people from 
you know, from those from the years gone by and from the yeah. the early two thousand music scene, that just enjoy telling the stories, you know. And it's, yeah, definitely. I mean, we talk to new artists too, but it's always really cool when, particularly when it's a band I'm really into like this. Yeah, it's been cool. Mm. Actually, you, mm-hmm. uh, what, what, one last thing before you go, you mentioned you used to do a podcast. What 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 was that on? Oh yeah, so when we were on the road, oh, I think it was two thousand nine, maybe two thousand eight. Uh, okay. the, the label was like, you should do, like, I don't even think they knew what podcasts were, but we were like, let's make a quiet drive podcast. And so we just started like putting together a bunch of just random bits that we would do. It wasn't really yeah. like a live, I don't know if you cut anything. I'm sure you do a little bit of cutting, but for the most part, what I was doing was I was chopping up the whole segment and just getting yeah. like the best bits. But, um, you know, like looking back on it, there's so many things I could have done differently. I think what we were doing is we were just kind of trying to come up with sketches and yeah, and presenting those sketches. So we didn't really have like a, a good idea than that, but it got really hard because, you know, some of the sketches would be crap and then some sketches would be really good and some sketches would be too crass and I couldn't, you know, I couldn't honor them and play them. So for the most part, it was just, it was just cutting different bits together and uh, I don't know. Now, if I was going to do it all differently, I think I would have just done it with other, like you're doing it, but just like on the road, just with like all the people that we were touring with. Just right, right, did, an, yeah. did an interview, talked about a certain thing, and then just cut it and put it out. Because honestly, like sketches are cool, but I think podcasts in general, it, it's, mostly, it's mostly that. It's telling stories. Cool. Well, thanks for uh, telling us yours. It's been a been been a pleasure. Yeah, absolute pleasure, Kevin. Yeah, thanks so much, man. Have a good one. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, we'd love it if you could subscribe to us uh, wherever you get your podcast, whether that's iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher or any, anywhere like that. Um, also, check us out on social media. If you, if you just search for Wasting Time Podcast on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, give us a like or a follow on any of those. And also, we love hearing from listeners as well. So um, feel free anytime to drop us an email at thewastingtimepodcast at gmail.com or obviously you can message us on social media as well. But um, yeah, we'll catch you next time. For you to